Hailing from the heartland of America, atop the high bluffs of Western Iowa, comes the voice of the church. God himself blew on history so that there would be a light. A timely message, convicting words, burning with passion for righteousness and justice again. Why don't you believe in something this morning? Why don't you believe in a church? Why don't you believe in the glory of dominion that God gave us the power to build a building on a hill that stands for something in the community, that we're not afraid to stand up for what we believe in and tell the lawmakers and the rulers in this nation and every other nation in the world, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's coming back and you better repent of your sins or you're gonna answer for them. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth not shall be damned. So what do you really believe? People that believe in Jesus Christ, that He was buried, that He was resurrected on the third day, that He's coming again, and that men will answer for every idle word and every wrong deed, that there is justice beyond the grave. That is the statement that is made when you see a church and a steeple and a cross in a community and in a nation. And God cares about this building and He cares about the churches that sprinkle the landscape of this nation. And He wants them to be filled with people that have some passion, that understand what it means to be a Christian, that aren't slobs drooling with all of their candy and their chocolate and their soda and their entertainment, wanting to hear a preacher to tell them that they're just fine the way that they are and they don't need to change and they don't need to worry about repentance. They don't need to get the sin out of their life. Those are not good preachers. And those are not legitimate churches and their buildings become an aggravation and a mocking point. And if you go to Europe today, you'll see cathedral after cathedral that were beautiful and they're empty. And if we don't get right in this nation, that's going to happen. Look around you at the sloth. Look at the empty pews. Look at the big gaps. They didn't want to hear the truth. Believe in something today. Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the sermon. What do you think would make God happier? That people all over the world just packed out his house of prayer on his day and gave him a whole day or that a smattering decided they might go for an hour? What would make him happier? It's really simple, isn't it? I bet you if I asked Rachel, she's three, if I asked Rachel, Rachel, what do you think would make God happier? What would bless God more? That everybody went to church and gave the Lord a whole day of rest and honored him. Even when the service was dismissed, they honored him in their heart and they fellowshiped with him all day. And then before the night came, they came back together to close the day in an evening service and just loved on each other and the grace of God. Do you think he would prefer that or that people just stay home and watch Barbies on TV? And I'll bet you Rachel would answer that correctly because even a child knows the answer to that question because you have to become like a child to enter into the kingdom. So Ephesians chapter four, and go with me please 
to verse 9, we're talking about this idea that grace came from heaven and it was a sent preacher. Would you throw that graphic right back up on the screen for just a minute? Let's look at it again. The preacher had to be sent and then a preacher is a human being. And he said something that was true and someone heard it, then they believed it and then they were just a whosoever that called out they responded to the grace that came from heaven through a preacher. Now let's explore that word sent and let's look at how did grace get here? How did that preacher get here from heaven? Ephesians chapter four and verse nine. Now in that he, Jesus ascended, this is talking about Jesus ascending after his resurrection from the dead. He ascended, but what is it but he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. This is a reference to the work that Jesus did in that three-day period after he was murdered. And he went into the lower parts of the earth, into hell, and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then it says that he resurrected from the dead, and many tombs were opened throughout Judea. People came up out of their graves, and for about a period of 40 days, the book of Acts says that resurrected saints like Moses and Elijah and others actually walked around and testified that Jesus was the Messiah for a period of 40 days and then the Lord ascended in front of everyone Acts chapter 1 and 2 and was caught up into the clouds into heaven this is what this is talking about and then he sat down the Bible says on the right hand of God when he made it to heaven after he ascended in front of everybody you remember the story and the angel said why why are you looking so amazed just as you've seen him go he'll come again now get busy but Jesus gets to heaven. This is where this whole grace pipeline starts because the Bible says, and I think it's John chapter one. We'll go look at it in a minute. It says that the fullness of grace came by Jesus Christ. So the fullness of grace sat down in heaven on the right hand of the father. And here's what he did. Verse 11, and he therefore gave to be some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. So that's the scent that I drew for you from the other passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 10. You need to hear the preaching of the gospel, and it, it goes sideways. The grace of God to save your soul comes through the preaching, the faithful preaching of the Bible from human beings that are anointed and sent by the Lord to the body of Christ to teach and to preach his word. They have a unique grace and they are the pipeline through which it comes into this world and you by hearing what the preacher says benefits but more so you receive the grace from that pipeline from heaven that grace is in you but God wants it to go through you to help others so here's how the relationship of the pipeline works he gave pastors and teachers verse 12 for the repairing of the saints. Now, you're a saint, you've come into church this morning, and by hearing the preaching of the word, the anointed preaching of the word from a minister that is sent from God, there is grace flowing in the room as you hear and accept the truths of what you're hearing out of the Bible. And there are things wrong with you and broken in you that that grace, not the preacher, but the grace upon what is being preached, which came from the Lord Jesus, the grace in the room can repair you where you sit. You might not even intellectually love the sermon. Sometimes, my wife knows this, I don't always tell you, but I hear myself say things that is supernatural. 
I did not know it until the moment I said it. And I listen, I hear myself say it and go, wow, that was good. I didn't even know that. And I go back and sure enough, it's right on, spot on in the Bible. I have that happen because there is a grace for teaching and preaching that does not come out of my brain. It's supernatural. And I do everything I can to teach my brain, the Bible, as much as I can so that when I preach and teach, I've got something to offer. And I I know God will bless, he will anoint my knowledge of the scripture. So my job is to study, to show myself approved. But once in a while, his grace surpasses me. I do my part, then he does the part I can't do. So I can't repair you. There's nothing I could say. Anybody in the world could get up. I'll just give it to you like this. You can get somebody that's not anointed to preach, that is not sent by heaven to do it, and have them stand up here with a microphone and repeat word for word what I said, and it will not repair you because they don't have the grace to do that. So this is not just intellectual information sharing it. And that's one of the reasons why you can't just hold up in a basement and say you're having church because of one verse that says two or three. Do you have a sent apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher that is anointed with a public ministry, which means they have a grace to repair saints when they preach? So many people do not benefit from this grace because they don't honor it. And here's what the Bible says. Remember what I said, because I'm going to bring it back today. God gives grace to the God gives grace to the, to the humble only. What is a humble person in the Bible? A humble person. Humility starts happening in you when you begin to elevate the value of the other people sitting next to you at church and you begin to value yourself a little less. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. What's pride? Pride is when you value yourself a little too much and everyone else not enough. Who gets grace? Only the humble. Your humility begins when you hear the preaching of the word. If you do not accept with humility the sent apostolos, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, you are not in a position, even though the food is shoved right in front of you, you're you're refusing to eat it. So you can still come, you can still sit, you can still hear the same words, but if you don't accept them with humility... You are cutting grace off and it's not going in and you're not getting repaired. If you go too long like that, you will begin to get tempted. Temptation will increase and Satan will pull you out of the body of Christ. In the same way that Paul warned us, if a husband and wife don't take care of one another's needs, their appetite for sex and intimacy at regular intervals, and one gets mad and says, well, I'm not going to sleep with you. And a month goes by, that bitter husband or the bitter wife, sometimes it's the wife that gets bitter. Temptation begins to overtake them because their physical, biological needs are not getting met and Satan will exploit that weakness and hurt them and drag them into sin. If you don't learn with humility to receive the preaching of the word and the grace that God only flows uniquely through the local church, you can sit for years. I've seen people do it, sit for years, not get any grace because they're not humble. Now, I wanna say something about humility and pride because I don't want false humility. This is just as bad. Here's what true biblical humility is. Biblical humility is knowing who you are in Christ, not thinking lower of yourself than you should and not thinking higher of yourself than you should. It's just knowing where you're at 
and who you are. It's being realistic and appraising yourself in your growth as a Christian with realism. It's where you're at. That's humility. Now, some people think that they're being humble when, like, for example, Isaac. I'm going to pick on Isaac. Isaac played a fantastic guitar solo this morning. It was really good. And that was a difficult solo. He worked for weeks on that. And he did a magnificent job. Note perfect. It was originally played about 15 years ago by Lincoln Brewster, who is one of the best guitarists alive. And that 14-year-old young man just pulled that off. That's something. If I went up to Isaac and I said, Isaac, and I already told him this earlier. I said, that solo is fabulous. You did excellent. And he went, oh, it's terrible. See, that's wrong because it was good. If it was good, it is dishonest to say, oh, that was terrible. No, it was not. So you're, you're taking the sin of pride and flipping it upside down. See, because what is pride? Pride is thinking higher of yourself than you should and not being realistic about your abilities. You want to see pride on parade, watch American Idol, if you can stand it. They all think they can sing so good, and when the judges tell them, you know, you, know, you probably could have a career on a carnival cruise, and they get so offended because the judge was, I mean, Simon, Simon's honest. He just tells them the truth. I've never heard Simon say anything I didn't agree with. I mean, he, he evaluates these people singing. I think, man, that was horrible. And Simon gets to make it, that was horrible. I mean, he's telling the truth. And then you watch how upset they get afterwards. I can sing better than Madonna. And they start describing themselves. I'm just embarrassed for them. I think, man, a dog wouldn't want to listen to you. So that's pride. They think higher of themselves than they ought to. But thinking lower of yourself than you ought to is still wrong. So what is humility? Pride can get you both directions. Really, false humility is reverse pride. So, for example, if someone comes up and you went and you bought a new dress, ladies, and this dress, you're really happy with it, you know that it looks good or you wouldn't have bought it. Why would you buy a dress if you stand there in the store and look at yourself in the mirror and say, this looks horrible, I'm gonna buy this. <laughs> you bought it because you wanted to look nice, right? So you buy a dress, you come to church, and one of the other ladies comes up and says, oh, that is so, that is so cute. You look so cute. <laughs> now, have you ever heard a hoity-toity woman go, oh, these old rags? That's not honest. You know what you should say? Thank you. That solo was great. You know what he should say? It was. You know what he should say? Thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. Somebody says, you know, you look really nice today. Well, you stood in front of the mirror for an hour. You, if, and if you didn't think you looked great, why, what'd you come for? <laughs> fix it. For all of our sakes, fix it. <laughs> right? Somebody comes up and says you look nice, just say thank you. That's, what, that's humility. You're not, you're not in pride because you said thanks. See, people get this all messed up. So God only gives grace to the, and the pipeline comes from sent preachers. There is humility required for you to receive from a preacher. You must. If you're arrogant and picky and you don't like the preacher and you got an attitude, you could sit in church for 20 years and you, you'll be the most graceless soul, miserable. Every relationship you try to start, you have to have grace or you don't fit. Nobody wants gangrene body parts around them right? 
You need the blood flowing through. You know, one of the most offensive sermons Jesus ever preached, uh, some of the scholars say thousands of people in protest, angry and offended, walked away. I just read about it last week. Some theologian, he gave all of his rationale. He believed, based on some study that he had conducted, that in this particular sermon, there were probably near 2,000 people that heard the message and walked away angry. They didn't get any grace. And it was a very offensive sermon. Even today, to say the words out loud, people shudder. Man, what was he saying? Jesus said his, his own mother was kind of put off with well, you need to come rest. You, you need to come rest a while. You haven't been sleeping enough. <laughs> Jesus said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you'll have no part of me. And that sermon rubbed everybody raw and they walked away. They got no grace because listen to me, the body of Christ, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ must flow through you. And he was giving the most explicit analogy possible. The blood of Jesus Christ, if you're the body, and I use metaphoric language, I don't mean this literally, obviously, but it is the grace of God in the spirit is the same as the blood in your physical body. When you're in the church and the grace of God is being exchanged between all of us as the word is preached, it's like the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing his body just like the blood works in your body, his heartbeat is souls. His heartbeat is loving you and loving people, loving your neighbor as yourself. It's his heartbeat. And that love for one another flows sideways throughout this room as we sit in this place and sing songs together in unity. It's not the beauty of what's being sung from the stage. It's the beauty of all of us together singing together. That's what God loves. It's us together. And a husband and a wife are heirs together of the grace of life and a local church the congregation are heirs together of the grace of Jesus Christ you need the blood of the Lord Jesus to wash you at regular intervals and the way that the blood of Christ washes you is the grace that is exchanged every Sunday in the house of God he gave, therefore, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the repairing of the saints. This is what grace is doing on Sunday. It's repairing the saints. Why? So that after you get repaired, look what you do. This is not talking about the apostle. It's talking about you, the saint that came to church and got repaired as grace was flowing in the room. For the work of the ministry and for the edification of the who? The body of Christ. So you need to get repaired so that you can do the work of the ministry. What is the, see, we get ministry, we always shove the word ministry onto the local church. No, not in that passage. The ministry is your ministry outside this building. Everybody in here has a ministry in this passage. Your ministry is to take the grace that repaired you and let the grace flow through you to repair someone else. Somebody say grace flows sideways. Repair the saints so they can do the work of the ministry and edify the body of Christ. And when will we know that we've accomplished our mission? Verse 13, till we all meet together in the unity of faith. Do you see the word together again? 
till we all meet together in the unity of the faith and that acknowledging of the Son of God unto a perfect, that means mature man, unto the measure of the age of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children wavering and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, wait a minute now. How do you interpret the Bible and what is the problem being addressed here? Why do you need to come and let the grace of the teacher repair you in the body so you can do your ministry, so that you can fulfill your purpose and help others? What is important to keep you in the business of helping others that you not get tripped up with bad doctrine? And that is again, the purpose of the grace flowing sent from heaven to the preacher. And that process goes sideways. People hear it, they believe it, they call on the name of the Lord. But you've got to hear right doctrine. And so believing the right thing is very important. So that you be not carried about with every wind of doctrine by the deceit of men and with craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. But let us follow the truth in love and in all things grow up into Christ, which is the head of the church. So say it with me, grace flows sideways. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're gonna to be together forever. It is not only my responsibility, Pastor Larry's responsibility to let the grace flow out of us, the grace that we have to preach. It's your responsibility to be humble and receive it so that you get repaired and then you're obligated to use the grace of God to help other people. Can you say amen? amen? This is why you need to serve in the body of Christ. This is why being a spectator is inappropriate. You should be doing something. You should be putting your hands to something and helping the church. So the grace pathway is further explained in what I drew when we look at Ephesians chapter four. And it's talking about what kind of preacher was sent from heaven. Extra ecclesium nulla salus. Outside the church, there is no salvation. And that's why. Matthew 18, 7 says, if a brother won't listen to the church, of course, somebody went to them privately and confronted them because they were in sin. And, and that's a brother. And I, this is an important thing to say. Jesus was teaching again that grace flows sideways. You got a guy in the church that's living in sin, doing something that's, uh, uh, that's uh, unacceptable. You can't do it. And so someone takes him aside privately, alone, considering himself lest he was tempted and says, you can't do this, this is wrong. And the guy is hard-headed and prideful and will not listen, does not say he's sorry, refuses to repent and continues in that sin. Then Jesus said, then you take witnesses. You go get other people out of the local church that have witnessed this happening, that agree and know this is wrong, this is contrary to the scripture. And then the three or four of you go say, now listen, I came to you privately and you didn't, you didn't listen to me and you keep doing it. So then the group comes over and they said, now, we all know what you're doing is wrong, what you said was wrong, or what, you know, you're sleeping with somebody out of wedlock or whatever you're doing, this is wrong, you gotta stop it. And what are they, are they humble? Did they receive the grace of correction? No, they're prideful. And they won't listen to that group either. Why? Because they think higher of themselves than they ought and they think lower of the group than they ought. And so what does pride go before? A fall. And so then Jesus said, then you take it to the church which is to imply the church authority, uh, the head of the church. That'd be the pastoral authority. And then the church pastoral authority reviews the situation and goes to the person as a third step. It says, look, 
Brother Joe came in privately and told you this, and then four people came and they told you this. You haven't listened to anybody, and they've come and told me. Now, I'm telling you, as the head of the church, you got to stop this. It's wrong. We're not going to tolerate it because you're going against the health and fitness of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin is like cancer. I can't let you be cancer. You got to stop it. Repent, get repaired. See, if you'll just listen, grace is flowing sideways, it'll repair you. If you just listen, you'll get repaired. But the, what they, sometimes they dig their heels in and won't even listen then because they're prideful. They think highly of themselves, more highly than they should. So then Jesus said, take it to the body. That means the congregation. You say the congregation. This guy that was in this church, we've obeyed. He won't listen. Now you are to break off fellowship with him. Amen. Why? Because he's a grace thief. And that cancer will start to spread into other people if you don't bring it out and say, look, cut it off, get away from them. They're in total rebellion. They won't listen to authority, won't do what's right. Cut them off. Why? Well, for the same reason that you don't, if you're allergic to cabbage, you probably shouldn't eat it. You got poison that wants to get into the body of Christ. And this is a part of the kidney function in the body. And actually in the book of Revelation, Jesus said something when he was correcting a local church in the first few chapters of the book of Revelation, he rebuked a local church because they loved everybody, but they would not correct a woman who had yielded to a spirit of Jezebel. And Jesus said the most interesting thing, and if you read it in the King James, you miss it. But after he rebuked them for not correcting and kicking her out of the church. They let her stay. Well, we're just supposed to love. They would not deal with it. Jesus got angry and fire was shooting out of his eyes. He said, I tell you, I am the Lord of the reins and the heart. The word reins actually means the kidneys. In other words, Jesus was rebuking a church for not following what he had already taught in Matthew 18 and saying, if you do not deal with poison in your midst, you are provoking my anger and I'm going to come down and do it myself and you're going to, you're going to wish I hadn't. And he said to that church, I am not just the Lord of the heart, the hugs and the kisses and the warm feelings inside. I am the Lord that wants my body cleansed. And that's what the kidneys do in the body. They filter out the junk and get it out. And Jesus said, you're supposed to get that out. I already taught this in Matthew 18, and you're not obeying it. Because in order for health and fitness to be in the body, then there has to be a, a, an ability to identify things that will not be fixed. What does the doctor do in your body if you have some part of your body that just will not get repaired? They try to bolster your immune system. You take vitamins, you take pills, you do exercise, you try all this stuff but there's something in the body that just will not be repaired. Then a surgeon will cut it out and remove it so that you can heal and have the best fitness possible. And that is exactly what we're being told in Matthew chapter 18. We have to deal with people that refuse to get repaired. And the only way to be repaired is to have a heart of humility that will listen to the grace-filled anointed teaching of that pipeline from heaven through the pastor and through the body, uh, one to another, submitting one to another. Can you say amen?
This has been Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. God himself blew on his tree so that there would be a light. Jesus Christ, that he was buried, that he was resurrected on the third day, that he's coming again, and that men will answer for every idle word and every wrong deed, that there is justice beyond the grave. That is the statement that is made when you see a church and a steeple and a cross in a community and in a nation. Believe in something today.